This is John Fraser, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair. Fulham's last game before Christmas had a little bit of everything, didn't it? A comical own goal, a comical penalty decision, and a comical result, given how dominant we were throughout. I've got Baldo and Mark with me to go back over the game. Far humbug. Let's go. Fulham. Right, just before we begin, I need to start with some housekeeping. This show will be the last regular show for a couple of weeks as everyone at Fulham Focus takes a well-earned Christmas break. We have a festive quiz coming out on the 23rd, which is this Wednesday. And then our next show will be the Burnley Reaction Show on the 4th of January. Normal service will resume after that. All right, let's crack on then. All right, lads. Well, Mitro was brought back into the starting lineup to face his former club on Saturday evening. Plus, Tom Kearney, the only player who started the opening game against Arsenal, was back in the side. Whilst Mario Lamina returned in place of Harrison Reed, and Bobby Reed ended up replacing even Cavalero in the lineup as Cav was injured during the warm-up. There were nine substitutes available, so Michael Hector was back on the bench for the first time in a while. Mark, your pre-match thoughts. Yeah, I thought it was a, an interesting lineup. I thought it was a strong lineup actually when I first saw it. Um, I think the back six um, has largely picked itself um, over the last few weeks. The only hiccup was, like you said, there with Bobby Deckard over Reed having to come in. Um, interestingly, Scott said that he, he picked up a, a kind of a quad injury, didn't he, uh, uh, after that Brighton game? So uh, whether he was fully fit or not um, was, was going to be a gamble. But no, I thought the lineup was good. I, I was happy to have. Uh, Lamina in there alongside Anguissa. I think those two uh, work quite well together. They've got a bit of a, a partnership developing. So going into the game, I, I thought it was a strong lineup. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a relatively uh, straightforward uh, lineup. You know, I've been calling on this podcast that you know you don't change your winning formula. Um, and even though we've been doing really, really well in the past couple of weeks, I think that Brighton game, as I think Frenchie has been alluding to in summer, does kind of show that there are games when we need Alexandra Mitrovic in there. Even though he hasn't been totally on form this season, he is that perfect plan B. And, you know, there are some games where we're gonna where we're gonna need him. So even though we changed and I was slightly disappointed with that, uh the, the overall squad selection and what he went with, even with, you know, having to uh, bring on Reed uh late uh, for Caviero and so on, I thought I thought it was pretty I thought it was a pretty strong, strong decision from Scott. Would you guys say that Mario Lamina's the first choice kind of second defensive midfielder over Harrison Reed at the moment? Yeah, I, I think he definitely is. I think Harrison Reed plays a really important role in this squad, though. Um, so I don't want to diminish that because I think Harrison Reed's uh, the way he plays the game, the way he reads the game as well. I think it's very different to Lamina. I think Lamina is is so strong in the tackle, um, like Harrison. So that's where they're similar. But uh, I think when you're looking at a team that's going to dominate and and you need a player to to really kind of guard the the the, def- the central defenders, I think Harrison Reed maybe does that a little bit slightly better. But those games where you want that kind of fast transition from defence to attack, where you want to dominate the ball as well, I I just think Lamina's got a, a really good streak in him and. Like I said just now, I think he plays so perfectly alongside Anguissa. So I, I think he has to be first, second choice, if if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, I've been, I was, you know, banging the drum for Harrison Reed for large 
last parts of last season and saying that you know one of the key things if we were going to stay up was keeping as much of last season's side as possible because we didn't want to do the whole overhaul that we did last time so i would have hoped that harrison reed would have got more minutes but as you said his partnership with angisa at the moment is is turning into something i wouldn't say special but certainly something that's incredibly effective I felt like the style of football we played at St. James's Park was a sort of hybrid of the the possession football that we used to play. Caution and counter, which worked against Newcastle and perhaps would have worked against Brighton. We're beginning to look comfortable in our various guises, though, aren't we, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we uh, we definitely are. Um, I think there's something to be said about the way that we're approaching games. I think it's almost feels long gone now when we were worried about those opening goals affecting how we were starting. I think we're looking really good at, uh, at the beginning of games as well. So um, in, in regards to that for first 45 minutes against Newcastle, I, I said this last week where I thought that first half against Liverpool was the best half we'd played um, so far this season. I think it's all, almost already being rivaled just in terms of, of the way that we played, the personality we showed on the pitch, um, perhaps not in the, in the, in the chances created, but, I still thought, you know, the, the, the way that this team are, are personality-wise showing themselves is chalk and cheese from that Arsenal game, isn't it? Yeah, we've really started to be, be, become a team, as it, as it were. And, you know, we've, although there is, some, there, there is still a little bit of work to be done. You know, you mentioned we've, we've eliminated the early goals, which was always a big thing earlier in the, you know, earlier on in the season. So we managed to get one big aspect out of our game, but there is still, there is still a little bit of problem when it comes to, when it comes to going forward, there is still just, just that one little, you know, final third decision-making that one final thing missing that could, you know, if we don't sort it out soon enough, we'll end up costing us this season, but certainly at the back. Yes, absolutely. Everything's looking fantastic. You say that about going forward, but Mitro had a shot inside the first 10 seconds that the keeper saved. And it, I felt like that really set the tone for the first half. Lookman had that header that was saved from an Anguissa cross. You know, on another day, that, that's a goal. And, and we go in at halftime 2-0 up, which would have been superb. Do, do you think we started well? And Well, I, I mean, we did start well. There's, there's no two ways about that. But I, I just feel like if we could have taken our chances, then we would have got the win that the performance deserved. And perhaps that's what you guys are saying. You know, the fact that we're, we're not ruthless enough in front of goal is, is really going to cost us and prevent us from turning these one point matches into three points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth there. You know, those chances are not saying that Mitrovic's one was, was a clear cut chance or anything, but like the Lookman header, and there are a couple of others, not just during the, just in the first half, but throughout the game as well, that, yeah, if we can just put those, you know, similar to how teams were putting us to bed early in the first half, you know, against us early in the season. If we can start doing that, then everything will start being, you know, hunky dory. We don't know what the situation is. I feel that Scott Parker, the way he set up with that whole five at the back, four at the back, Bobby Reed basically controlling all the way down the right hand side, that hybrid system. I think it's worked well defensively, but whether or not it's going to be good for the rest of the season going for, you know, in an attacking sense and finishing chances off. I, as I said, I still think there's just a little bit more work to do, whether or not that's a, you know, a system thing or if it needs, you know, or if it's a personnel thing, like we need a clinical striker or someone better at making chances, so on and so forth. There is something that still has to be brought out of that team. I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. And, and, if you look at the the January transfer window coming in, I mean, um, I th- I really I really think we need someone. I think we need someone to 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 go and and help lead the line and take the pressure off of uh, off Mitrovic. I, I think it was interesting the 
the kind of debate around whether it was an injury or tactical, the reason that Mitrovic missed out the last few games. Um, but by and large, if, if you look at that, that front three, it just doesn't inspire me at all. And, and I don't think Kamara, I don't think Kamara should have been uh, kept at the club o- over the summer. If I'm person, if I'm perfectly honest, I think he should have been shipped out, but I understand where Scott's coming from in, in, in trying to fix the, the problems at the back first. Um, but now it seems that, yeah, if we want to ke- play, if we want to catch up, you know, we, we need a goal scorer. Well, right before the break, we did do something very unusual for us. We actually scored from a corner. Um, uh, Lookman whipped the ball in. Adarabayo headed the cross down. And there was a little bit of a ricochet and hit Matt Ritchie in the chin and ended up in the back of the net. But it was no more than we deserved. Baldo, what were your thoughts when the ball hit the back of the net? Uh, if I'm being brutally honest, I was laughing just because of the, just because of the way it, it all it all went down. Um, it is what it is. One of those goals. If you know those own goals and gaffes things, those football highlight DVDs were still a thing that would be on the next edition. I'm sure it was. I, it was just more funny than than anything. I mean, glad to see that we managed to get something. I know in the in the team chat we were talking about this that Adarabio seems to be winning a lot of uh, a lot of balls from corners, and he's and he's a bit of a threat. So we we're saying he's got to put one in sometime. And I think that's probably just about as close as you can get, getting an assist, as it were, for the corner. But yeah, absolutely, as you say, nothing more than we deserved, but more of a, more through comedy than sort of any, anything that we did. It's almost like a classic, classic moment, isn't it? We can never score from corners, and then all of a sudden, Mark, we score a goal like that. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I don't like uh, I don't like own goals. It's not good for the whoever scores it, and it's also not good for. Uh, our own stats. I like seeing our own players score goals, obviously. But um, no, interesting. You said there about um, you know Adarabio expecting to score one. Um, he's had a couple now, hasn't he? I'm thinking of that near post header against Liverpool, where he glanced it across the goal. He had a good chance against Brighton too. Um, and so I really thought, yeah, something was going to happen in this game. He obviously needs to work on it a little bit because he towers above defenders. So he, he he's certainly a, a a good source for a goal. Um, whether he just needs that confidence or not, uh, I, I think it's another thing. And also, you know, players need to play around that if he's going to win headers and, and it, you know if it hits their player you know it's by, by trick or by trade it, it went in and, and and that's all that matters isn't it it most certainly is well Tom Kearney had a good chance after the break with a volley from the centre of the box that you might have done a bit better with how do you guys think the club captain played on his on his return to the side Baldo you first um I think he very much looked like a player that has been in and out you know in and out of the squad not been able to get that consistent playing time under his belt. We did look slightly off the pace, as it were. And, you know, and on, and on another day, that chance that he scuffed or or it may have been blocked, I don't think, I can't remember, uh, so long ago. I'm trying, trying, to, trying to forget it. But, yeah, on another day, he scores that goal, you know, if he'd have got a little bit more of a run in the side. So whether or not he's going to be a permanent fixture in the in the, in the the team going forward, we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see. And as much as I've said that, you know, Tom Kearney is a bit of an expendable product because, again, if you saw how we've been playing with that 5-3-2, he's not really been getting much of a look in. But there is there is still something in there that makes me think he can be of use to us some, at some at some point in the season, similar to Mitrovic. But whether or not he's going to be a first-team regular or, you know, again, just a squad rotation player, it's still up in the air at this point. And Mark, Tom Kearney to you, I mean, he has been in and out of the side, but there was a run a few games ago where he was playing quite well, probably the best I've seen him play for a little while. 
But now it seems to be that he's in competition with Ruben Loftus-Cheek for that that number 10 role in the team, if you like, that, that role right behind the, the, the strikers from midfield. And uh, if you're going to keep chopping and changing two players who are hot and cold with their form, potentially you're not going to get the best out of either of them. Yeah, I think you're completely right there. Um, I think Tom Kearney is, as we all know, a, a massive confidence player. Uh, and when he's playing well, he, he's, you know, I, I hate to use the word unplayable because, um, you know, he, you can get past him. But he, he is, he is on when he's on top form, you know, he's fantastic for that team. And similarly to Ruben Loftus-Cheek, we've seen such glimpses from him and such moments of genius that we kind of think, you know, there is such a player there. And, you know, I think a lot of Chelsea fans have probably been thinking the same thing um, for the last few years. He, he shows it in glimpses too. Whereas, worrying about not getting the best out of both of them, um, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because although you look at the two players and, and, and you try to compare them, they are at different stages of their career. And, and TC being the captain as well, um, it, it's a different kind of pressure for him, but one that he he really needs to to focus on. I, I saw again in, in the interview he gave a couple of months ago um, to The Athletic that he sees Fulham as his perfect fit and he sees it as the club he wants to retire to. I'm all fine for players to say that, but at the same time, you need to be giving, you know, consistent performances to the club. Uh, so I'm happy with a resurgent Tom Kearney and, and I really want him to succeed for the club. But I think the onus is on him more than it is on Ruben Loftus-Cheek to nail down a position in that starting eleven. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Well, moments after the Tom Kearney chance, Alexander Mitrovic found himself in a good position, took a heavy touch um, and won a corner, which ended up coming to nothing. Same question about Mitro as, as the Kearney one, really. Baldo, how do you think the big man did in his first start for a while? And does he start the next game against Southampton for you? I think it's. I think uh, Mitrovic rather is in the same in the same boat as Tom Kearney. If I'm being honest, you can tell that he's been he's not been out of the side again. Whether or not it's because he is injured or if it's tactical, but the fact that he's mid been missing games before this, it really did it really did show. I think on another day he probably scored, he probably uh, does a lot better with that chance, and he probably makes a bit of a more more of a nuisance of himself, you know, throughout the rest of the game. So, in regards to whether or not he starts against. Uh, Southampton, you know, I I think he did enough to at least warrant to at least warrant being in the in the discussion. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be overly fussed because there there's still a little a little bit of work to be to be done before he gets up to full speed. Well, Scott Parker said before the game he he was asked whether Alexander Mitrovic was in the team based on how well he did when he came off the bench against Brighton or whether it was because he was playing against his former club and felt like you know he'd be up for it and Scott Parker said a little bit of both um but Mitro's clearly a confidence player isn't he all all strikers are and his confidence must be fairly low based on uh, the his lack of goals this season really how about you Mark do you think do you think Mitro's done enough to start the next game and and how how do we use him now I mean is he is he going to be in and out of the team because for me if he's going to be in and out of the team then he's not going to be scoring many goals you either you either play somebody like him or you don't yeah, you're completely right there. Um, I think contractually, um, I don't think he needs he can be left out of the team for for too long. I think you know he he can he's a player with a lot of weight in that dressing room, uh, and there comes with that a lot of expectancy on how many minutes you're going to get on the pitch. I don't think he's changed that much from the striker he was 12 months ago, or even kind of nine eight months ago when he was kind of tearing up the championship. So um, I don't think there's a changed player there. You're completely right that he needs that run of games and he needs that consistency. I think he knows, I think this is what Scott Parker said in that press conference before Brighton, you know, he knows as well as anyone that he's had a below par season, but 
it's almost flashed us by, hasn't it? it? It doesn't really feel like he's even had a chance. It, it kind of started and we didn't really mind that he wasn't scoring loads of goals. And then all of a sudden we're in December and he still hasn't really kicked on that much. So there's definitely pressure on him. But uh, I think all the great goal scorers uh, are, are going to prove themselves in this league. And, and I think Mitrovic is certainly one of them. Scott, again, was right to bring up his, his record for Serbia, which you know hasn't fluctuated at all in this period. So, you know, he is such a confidence player that, like Kenny, like we said, he he can he can take that pressure on his own shoulders and and hopefully in the new year he can kick on. Well, let's come on to the big talking point of the match then. Just after the hour mark, a penalty was awarded to Newcastle. First of all, surely the foul was outside the box, but we'll come on to that in just a second. Either way, Jockey Manderson was given a red card and Newcastle equalised from the spot through Callum Wilson. Meanwhile, Michael Hector came on at centre half replacing Tom Kenny. Was it a penalty ball, though? I know you're a, a big um, advocate of VAR, and we've, we've had this conversation a few times in the past. But for me, VAR got this wrong. Even Alan Shearer and Jermaine Genus agreed on Match of the Day that any contact was outside the box, and it was a dive in any case. Yeah, well, strictly speaking, this isn't a VAR thing. VAR did its job by saying, Mr. Referee, whoever it was, go and look at this again, or whoever was in Stocky Park, go and look at this again. This is the referee. Again, this is his decision. Again, whether or not to overrule it or or whatever the thing is. But he wasn't, he, wasn't, he, wasn't he sent to go and look t- to see whether it was a red card or not? Uh, yeah, and in, and can we just sort of? I think we can all agree that it was a it was a red card because even yeah. if you want to make the because he was last man, and even yeah. if you want to make the case that Adarabio was in there to cover him, Addison was already on a yellow card. So even if he gets a yellow card, he's off anyway. So it's a straight red. Off, it's a straight yeah, red. Straight if, red. It, if it's a foul, it's a straight red. But the foul, the initial contact was outside the box, and it's yeah. all very well VAR um, stopping um, stopping the foul when it's inside the box. But they didn't. They didn't stop it when the foul first happened, which was a few yards outside the box. They just stopped it when it was in the box. So it's they've got it wrong for me. Yeah, yeah. The referees in charge have got it wrong. But this isn't. Because again, this was. This isn't a VAR. You know, minimal. You know, the millimeters for the offside thing. This was the referee looking at the thing and saying, "Was it inside or outside?" And they said, "No, this foul happened in. You know, this foul happened inside the box." So. Yeah, they did. They they absolutely they got the they got the red card bit right, but they got the penalty decision wrong. So yeah, so call it call it fifty fifty on that on that one. How about you, Mark? How did you see it? Um, I saw it as a free kick to Newcastle. I saw it as a red card to Anderson, and I saw it as a yellow card to um, to Callum Wilson. Um, I, I I think if you go over to that monitor and look at it, you know there's. You got to punish. You got to punish a player for that. Uh, I think that's it, it's a it's a flagrant kind of um, uh, breach of the rules. Um, it, it, it's no different to how we've been treated before as well in these kind of scenarios where, you know, diving just it's just not not top agenda anymore. It's not flavour of the month for Premier League referees. Uh, you know, it's it's offsides is is popular and 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 unfortunately, when things aren't being talked about in that sense, you know we just tend to not really bother chasing them up at all. But when I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. It's so, so clear from that footage where the contact is, like like you said, and like Baldo said. And it's also so clear where he's gained a couple of yards to, to throw himself to the floor in the box. You know, the, these decisions uh, are costing us and will cost us. But at the same time, 
I'm also very well aware that, that these decisions will, will, will come in our favour at points and they will stop other teams uh, at times and perhaps be unfair to them. So um, it's it's six of done and it's six of one and half a dozen of the other, isn't it? Um, but no, I, I completely agree with with what's been said so far. Uh, one thing I was going to say was Scott Parker was very strong in his criticism, just of VAR in general um, at the end of the game and kind of said that it's ruining football and the way that it's being used is ruining football. And that's that's cost us the game. That's cost us three points. It could be the difference between staying up and going down at the end of the season, those two points that we absolutely deserved and, and would have had had that decision not been got wrong because we, we still were very comfortable even when we were down to 10 men, I just thought Newcastle were appalling. And Steve Bruce said that, that they were appalling as well. They offered nothing going forward. And and also, it's it's the sort of decision that could cost somebody like Scott Parker his job. Yeah, I, I don't think... Um, I personally don't think that Scott's job is on the line um, too much. I think still... He's he's shown enough in the last you know couple of weeks to to, to certainly buy himself a little bit of time, um, and you know managers aren't really kind of again I go back to kind of what's hot topic at the moment. Managers don't really seem to be it. We we seem to be questioning style of play a lot more than we do managers. I know obviously Slaven Bilic lost his job recently, and that's a shame, and um, and we see that. But even then, I I don't think we're really questioning kind of managers' performance too much. It's almost as if we're kind of looking at style of play. So um, you know. Fingers crossed that, uh, that that those kind of decisions don't go against us, and and Scott ends up losing his job because of it. But at the same time, I'm aware that you know we've got an eagle-eyed viewer in Tony Khan over from the states who uh, seems to, uh, as well as being quite trigger happy, he he also seems to have a fairly good kind of sense of of what justice is in the Premier League. So I, I trust him not to kind of make a knee-jerk reaction. And it was difficult circumstances for Michael Hector to come into the game. He was out of form, hasn't been in the side since uh, that Brentford game, I think. And then he's come on into a game, you know, where we've, we're down to 10 men. We potentially might need to do some uh, a lot of defending, even though I don't really think it turned out that way in the end. How did you guys think that he played when he came on? Do you think he did okay? He did okay. He did what his job was, which was when we're down to 10 men, just see it out. At that point, and again, it's something we discussed, we probably weren't going to, you know, we had some chances, but we weren't going to play for the win. So you you didn't expect to, it was basically just, you know, park the bus to, to sort of use a bit of a bit of a weird analogy. But yeah, he did he did what he needed to do, even right at the end when he uh, committed a, a tactical foul, as it were, to stop her to stop a breakaway. He did he did what he had he did what he had to do. So yeah, it, fair enough. He didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't really need to do anything spectacular. So job done. And how about for you, Mark? How did you see Big Heck? Um, <laughs> I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay at best. Um, no, when when Anderson made that challenge, I was kind of spinning a mental wheel in my head, wondering which of which of uh, Hector, Adoy, and, and Reem was going to come on in his replacement. But um, out of those three, probably happiest it, it was Hector due to the physicality uh, he's got. Um, but no, I wasn't, you know, he exactly what Baldo said. He did his job. Um, the, the real test will come in the next few weeks when we see uh, who gets to replace Anderson in that starting lineup. Well, Mitro went off with 14 minutes left and on came Ruben Loftus-Cheek whilst uh, Anguissa took the armband. Then Joe Bryan replaced Lutman in injury time. Did you have any complaints about the substitutions? I guess the one in injury time was just trying to make sure that, that we ended up with the one point. Um, but I feel like bringing on Loftus-Cheek 
might, you know, with 15, 14 minutes to go, might have just been one last ditch attempt to to try and nick some something more. No, I think similar to the Mike Wagner, the job was to shut up shop. That's why, you know, even even if he was in the last minute, that's why bringing on Joe Bryan for Lookman is just just that one extra little defensive player. So yeah, that's that's what the aim was, and and they and they saw it out. They again similar to Hector, the rest of the subs didn't do anything spectacular, but that was their job to do that. So all credit, all credit to Scott for, you know, making making the right decisions and not doing anything that you know could have stupidly cost us whilst we were going to try and win the game. I will just jump in with a quick shout out though for for Loftus Cheek playing in an almost false nine position for for about five ten minutes. I thought he actually worked as a pivot. Um, quite well, and I, I know Scott's used him off the front forward a couple of times, and and it, it didn't look too bad to be honest. Pivot and false nine in the same sentence. J Matt's going to absolutely love it when he hears this. Anyway, I'm I'm going to summarise now. So I think perhaps before the game, I would have taken a draw away from home against a Newcastle side who can blow hot and cold. But I felt really they offered nothing going forwards. We were the better side, even after the penalty and the red card. We we looked arguably more likely to score. It's very encouraging, but we need to figure out how to turn these performances into points. And it's going to be very difficult with Anderson suspended because he's been a rock at the heart of our defence for the last few games. But I don't feel like we're as doomed uh, this season as I did perhaps a month or six weeks ago. Um, Baldo, your summary. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty fair. You know, as you said, we don't look as doomed as we as we did before. You know, I saw someone on Twitter saying that we've got, I think it's 25 games left and we need to get 24 points effectively. So if we can turn, we just basically need to carry on at the pace that we're going now. We're trying to get these, trying to scrape these draws and all that sort of stuff. So, and I think this team, this team can do that. If you want to, you know, throw out, even though we did relatively well against Man City and Liverpool, but in the return games, if you want to throw out those results and say, okay, we'll just free hits those ones. And then try and work out, you know, results against teams around us, the likes of, you know, Brighton in the reverse fixture and Burnley and West Brom and Sheffield United, for instance. If we can pick up the performances against them, because I think those are the ones that are going to be, you know, all the more crucial, you know, six pointers from here until the end of the season. I think those are going to be the real, the really interesting ones. And I think based on what we've seen the past couple of weeks, we can we can get those results. We may be frustrated against likes of Brighton and Newcastle, who are down the bottom of the table. But I think if we can you know, continue the upward curve of progression that we've made from start of the season to now, then I don't see any reason why we can't pick up those results. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with Baldo there. I think um, I think also the the positivity it, it's and and the fact that we didn't lose down to ten men, which we've been in positions like that so many times before. Um, it, it's good to see that we're, we're keeping that kind of un, mini unbeaten run. Um, I know in the Premier League, you, you have to look at it in kind of blocks of fixtures and, and the confidence that, that would would come from from kind of getting results like that as well. I, I actually think it's really important. Um, so so not a, not a disappointing day, although we feel like we've come off the back of a couple of disappointing games against Liverpool and Brighton. But like I said at the start of this podcast, you know, it's 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 seriously chalk and cheese with with where we were um, at the start of this uh, this campaign. So I think certainly positives to take from it. And your man of the match, Mark. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, with with Lamina, like most of uh, like most of us. I thought he 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 played brilliantly well in that in that role and um, a, a kind of um, not so much unappreciated, but you know doing the dirty work and and 
that uh, I think for that response to that horrible uh, foul that he he apparently gave away on the on the near side in the second half, uh, where he made probably the best tackle of the game and, and got given a free kick. That was kind of it. Kind of showed the, uh, the the game in about in 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 a couple of seconds there, didn't it? So yeah, Lamina for me. I agree with you. Um, Mario Lamina was excellent. I also thought that Alamola Lutman had a very good game as well. How about you, Baldo? Yeah, I, I probably I probably go for Lamina as well. Uh, make make it a clean house. But again, another spe- another special nod to Alphonse Ariola, who again, he didn't make any spectacular saves that I can recall. But again, just another assured presence at the back just makes makes you feel a lot more comfortable that even if Newcastle were going to be throwing wave after wave in the last couple of minutes, that he'd do it his best to keep it at bay. So he gets a special shout out as well. Yeah. yeah. Be nice to see him get close to a penalty, wouldn't it, and save a penalty because that one was straight down the middle from from Callum Wilson, really. And if he just stood his ground, then then he may have got to it. But just frustrating, I suppose, that we we seem to be giving away a lot of penalties, and every time we give away a penalty, it ends up in the back of the bloody net. Right then, so Baldo, I'm going to come back to you for your Scott Parker rating for this game. Uh, I I I think I think he gets I think he gets an eight. I think there's only there's, again as I've said in many weeks there's only so much he can do. You know he set the team out to get a win and you know we were winning until until the penalty decision and the red card. So um, you can't really hold that against him. And then from that point the job was to see the game out and he saw the game out. So I th- I think he gets an eight because you know everything that he could control he control he controlled it incredibly well. So I give him an eight. I can't disagree with that either. I was I had I had eight in my head as well. And I, I think he's he's really turned a corner, particularly now. I know I keep saying it every time I'm on the show, but now we've we've got this plan B and you know we we can change our tactics, which is a really, really strong part to our game now. The fact that we can, you know, we we can play this this other way. And he's developed that very quickly, kind of thinking on his feet in the last few games. So yeah, eight out of ten for me. Fair play to Scott. How about you, Mark? Um, I'm going to give him a seven. Um, I, th- I agree with everything that's been said so far. Um, I just think the changes, the substitutes could have been um, a, a little bit better timed. I'm thinking specifically for, for Joe Bryan. I, I understand, you know, um, there's a case to be made that you want to waste time, but it, it always seems to be Joe Bryan that has to come on in the 93rd minute, 94th minute. And and I, I said this uh, last week in a piece I wrote, Joe Bryan's only played, I think, including last night now, that's five minutes of, of game time uh, in four matches, which is which is a shame. But yeah, seven out of 10 for Scott for me. All right. Thanks, chaps. Well, just quickly then, let's let's have a little look forward to the Christmas period. We've got Southampton at home on Boxing Day. Then we're away to Spurs. And the first game in the new year is away at Burnley, where notoriously we have a terrible record. Mark, how many points do you think we can get and how many points should we realistically be targeting from these three games? I think realistically targeting, you've got to go for nine. Um, I don't think there's anything else you can you can go for in the, in this business. Um, real, you know, where we're going to end up and how many points we're going to get, obviously, um, it, it's completely different. We could turn a, we could turn another corner and, and, and all of a sudden get, you know, three dodgy results. So it, it's difficult to put numbers on it. But um, I'd, I'd definitely like to see us get something out of the Burnley game. I think we've got a really good style of play that can actually that can actually hurt them. Cue a 3-0 loss, obviously, after I've said that. But um, no, I think there's obviously points to be had. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I'd go with maybe... I'd, I'd like to see us get six points, but then that would mean we, we lose, wouldn't it? So um, I'm going to go with seven. 
I'd take seven. How many points have we got in total at the moment? What is it, 10? <laughs> we're going to almost double our point score in, in three games, which would be lovely. But I, I think we're going to struggle without Anderson. Um, I, I really do. And what is he? He's going to be missing for one game. But I, I feel like that one game, the next game against Southampton, is the one where we really need to be targeting the win, that, that game at home. And we've got a reasonable record against Southampton at home as well. I'd really like to win that. I can see us losing at Tottenham. I know Tottenham have just lost at home to to Leicester, so they'll be looking to bounce back. And then also they lost to uh, lost to Liverpool in the last minute in the week, didn't they? So they they're coming off the back of a couple of defeats. Um, and then Burnley, I'd certainly take a point at Burnley. I know I know they're right in around us, and we've got to be targeting those sort of games to win. But I just I just know what our records like up there. So any, anything from from Turf Moor would be great. So I'm I'm going to say. I'd love nine points, obviously. I'd love the seven points that, that you've asked for, but I'd take four at the moment. How about you, Baldo? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably take four as well. And going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, we need to be getting points against those in and around us. I think if we're going if we're going to get a win, I'm going to stick my neck out on the line here and, you know, X amount of years of hurt, I think we're going to win a turf more, personally. I just call it pigeon's instinct. I don't know. I've just got this feeling in the back of my head that this this is the year that we're gonna this is the year we're gonna do it. I think Southampton, Anderson's gonna be a big loss, and because he's on loan, Lamine is gonna be a bit of a big loss as well. We've got Harrison Reed who can do you know an excellent job filling in, but as we discussed earlier, Lamina is probably first choice alongside Angisa, so it's a bit of a step down. But I think we can get I think get a draw out of that. Spurs, I can't I can't see us winning, especially especially on the road. I just, I just don't see that. But Burnley, I think, I think it's a winnable game. Absolutely, I think it's a winnable game, even though we've not, even though we've not had the best of record around there. But as I said earlier, if we just carry on that upward progression of improving, I think by the time we get to Burnley, I think we can get something. So hopefully, we've got players that are in a little bit of form by then. And yeah, yeah, I think I think we take that. So four points, yeah, four points across those three games. And then, of course, it's January transfer window time and hopefully we'll start to bring in some reinforcements too. So we'll have all of that excitement for, for the first month of the year. So it's all good. All right, let's leave it there then. That's your lot for this year. As I said at the beginning, we'll be back on Wednesday with a festive quiz and then back on the 4th of January for the Burnley Reaction Show. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you all and see you on the other side. Cheers. Fulham.